Today we are delighted and have a real special treat to have our own, the Reverend Kathy Jacob, a deacon of this diocese ordained in 2002 and according to Dean Limehouse, the best deacon in the diocese. Uh, She is a former educator, a mother and a grandmother and has a master's degree from Beeson Divinity School at Samford here in Birmingham. We will hear uh, the word that the Reverend Jacob has to bring from us after we stand and sing hymn number 645, omitting verse 3. Let us pray. Come our light and illumine our darkness. Come our life and revive us from death. Come our physician and heal our wounds. Come. Flame of divine love, burn up the thorns of our sins, kindling our hearts with the flame of your love. Come, our King, sit up on the throne of our hearts and reign there, for you alone are our King and our Lord. Amen. My lesson today comes from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him... The gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow. They will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The word of the Lord. I can never read this gospel lesson and the 23rd Psalm that is generally linked to it without thinking of my dear friend Bev O'Donnell, a matriarch in the church where I was confirmed in San Mateo, California, and became an Anglican 41 years ago. Not only was Bev the oldest member of our parish, she was born in Scotland and had been an Anglican all her life. Typical Scott, Bev was stern, direct, but always very kind to me and my family, with a faith that was very deep and strong, but not spoken of casually. 
well into her 90s and widowed when I came to know her. She was still vital in church every Sunday and very much an active presence on the altar guild and the church women's association. Bev took it on herself to take this greenhorn under her wings to teach me all she felt I needed to know about being a proper Anglican and a new member of her altar guild. Bev's one weakness was her heart, which periodically landed her in the hospital. Realizing the strong bond we had formed in a very short period of time, my priest asked me to go next door to Mills Hospital and visit her. None of us knew at the time that it would be her last trip there. On my first hospital visit to Beth, I nervously tiptoed into her room, and after a few brief words, I asked, if I could read some scripture. She readily agreed with one provision. She was very emphatic that there would be no reading of the 23rd song. Well, I was somewhat surprised, especially since as a child, it was the second thing I'd learned from the Bible following the Lord's Prayer. Also, I figured that's what you read to people when you are lost for words and don't know what else to say. <laughs> so I asked, why not? Because, she said with a strong and steady voice, the Scottish shepherds I knew as a little girl only loved their sheep for one or two reasons. Their wool or for the meat they provided. Well, needless to say, I did not read the 23rd Psalm to her that day. <laughs> what does love look like? We live in a world where the word is used in so many ways. Love, that passionate relationship between a woman and a man, which seems so to mysteriously overwhelm them so that they speak of having fallen into it. Love. How parents speak about commitments to their children, and sometimes children about their parents. Hallmark and American Greetings have found a way to help children express that, at least twice a year, for Mother's Day and then one month later for Father's Day. Love. A description of the affection between friends when my daughters were in school, I used to marvel at how easily they told their friends they loved them. I didn't do that when I was their age. It took the 60s, the bonds of friendship born of the Vietnam War, the struggle for civil rights and bearing the common hardships of pursuit of causes in church and community that finally taught me that it was okay to be able to throw my arms around a friend with a great big bear hug and said, I love you. Love, at its most casual use, is it a word that simply describes our preference for things. Some of us love opera, Broadway plays, jazz, dance, or cabarets. Some of us love Alabama or Auburn football or fine wine and wonderful foods. Love. It is a complex word with many different meanings and always has been. 
It was easier for the Greeks. They had many different words for love, eros, which means, which we know as that sweet, intoxicating, passionate sexual love, philia, that bond between brothers and sisters and parents and lifelong friends, storge, the affection for things, be it politics, gourmet foods, or Starbucks. Yet regardless of which of these three words we are using, all have one thing in common. They speak of a a bond born of self-interest. Each of these forms of love has within it a dynamic of self-interest in pursuit of self-gratification. One doesn't remain friends with another for long if they don't return that friendship. The passion of the man and woman who fall head over heels in love with one another can wane pretty quickly when the realities of day-to-day living set in. We speak of it as the end of the honeymoon. However, it becomes even more challenging when you realize that this person wasn't created to fill your every whim and that the bond of commitments made in marriage calls us beyond simply having our needs met or share, <clears throat> to sharing life together as partners, willing to give as well as to get. Only then is the true nature of marital love exercised and understood. The thrill of parenthood evaporates pretty quickly when that sweet, cuddly infant hits the terrible twos. And as every parent here knows, there is life after adolescence. But that is when parents' parental love is really challenged. What follows next are the teens, when you want to put them in the deep freezer at age 16, take them out at age 21, and send them on their way. Love. The truth of the matter is that each of these forms of love For each of these forms of love to remain healthy, there must be both giving and receiving. There is a relationship of reciprocity which must be met if the feelings are to remain. That's why telephone calls, greeting cards, bouquets of flowers, for no reason at all, and a periodic romantic dinner or getaway are necessary. They express in a tangible way our commitments. In other words, love is less a feeling than a form of behavior, a verb rather than a noun. And if it is there, we want to see it in action. Well, that's what my friend Bev was complaining about. The shepherd's concern for the sheep was only one of self-interest. I was reminded of that a couple of summers ago as some friends who had just returned from vacation in Scotland invited me over to dinner and to watch videos of their visit on their brand new widescreen TV. If you've ever done that or even been to Scotland, you know that there are sheep everywhere. And you come to realize very quickly how impersonal the business of being a shepherd really is. 
We who have grown up with the 23rd Psalm without knowing anything at all about sheep farming can easily romanticize what is for the most part just a business. Driving through those open ranges of heather and grass, the sheep wander without a shepherd for miles. And you notice that all the sheep have been sprayed on their heads or back with some sort of color. How else will these shepherds be able to separate the sheep when it comes time for shearing or shipping off for slaughter? In the video, I noticed that most of the sheep were in desperate need of shearing and to the point that their wool was being torn away by fence wire and heather. When I asked about it, I was told that the price of wool was very low, so it was not worth it for the farmers to have the sheep sheared. I was reminded of Jesus' words about the hireling. Someone with no concern whatsoever for the sheep, but only what's in it for him. And he reminds us in verse 11 that he is the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And this is precisely Jesus' point in the gospel lesson I just read. He is not a hireling. In fact, his love is like unlike any other we know in life. It is absolutely self-giving with no expectation of anything in return. It is a love that does not turn in the face of adversity. A love which knows each of us by name. No need to spray paint the flock for identification purposes. This shepherd knows us not only by name, but by the sound of our voice. Not only does he know us by the sound of our voice, he knew us by name before we were ever a twinkle in our parents' eyes. And the bond of love is neither a momentary feeling nor a fickle emotion. It is care in action, demonstrating itself in healing, nurture, comfort, and care, born out of his love for us. Even now, here is a love that is quite different from all that I have talked about thus far. It is born of abundance rather than need, strength rather than weakness, a desire to give simply because that is his nature. This love does not shut down when it's not returned. This love does not turn away when disappointed. This love does not turn to hate when rejected. In fact, this love is so exceptionally different from all other kinds of love that when the writers of the New Testament searched for a word to express it, they had to reach way back into their lexicons to find a word that had been rarely used, agape. It means concern, interest, Devotion born of abundance rather than need. As First John puts it, we know love by this. He laid down his life for us. It is a love that is acted, not simply spoken. It is a love that responds to the needs of others rather than fulfill its own needs. It is a parental love that is not diminished when it doesn't receive a card. 
It is unconditional love and is intensified all the more when there is estrangement. It is a love that is willing to give up his life in order that we might have life. And it is a love that is still active in life. For the good shepherd not only laid down his life for us, but he took it up again for us. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. From Isaiah, we learn that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole. And with his stripes, we are healed. Now, I don't mean to jump the gun here, but this is exactly what Easter is all about. The reminder that the risen Lord is still the Good Shepherd. The Christian faith is about living in the presence, empowered by the Good Shepherd Jesus Christ, who is still very much alive, still very much present and ready to care for the sheep of his pasture. He still engages the powers of treachery that lay hidden on the path of our lives, be that in green pastures, beside still waters, or in the valley of shadow of death or deep darkness. Always he is there, armed with the power that raised him from the dead. In every circumstance of our lives, the risen Lord is present in power to act on our behalf, just as he spoke the word and healed the man born lame who had not walked for 38 years. Just as he gave sight to the man born blind, who was reviled, then excommunicated by the Jewish authority. And just as he gave courage to Peter and John in the face of the council that had just days before crucified Jesus and clearly was looking for a way to do much the same to them. That is what it means to live out the power of Christ's resurrection. Are there other implications to living out that power? Rest assured that there are. But for today, let us focus on what this love looks like for us. In my last visit to my friend Beth, when it was obvious to all of us that she did not have very long to live, I read her today's gospel lesson. She had been very faithful, struggling with what lay ahead for her. And for the first time since I had known her, this stalwart of faith was asking questions about what she believed. In my mind, there is nothing more beautiful than a face made transparent by a whole lifetime of sorrows and joys, of combats, and finally, of inner peace. As I finished the lesson, she looked at me faintly and said, Now that's a shepherd I can trust. Beth, I said, that is the very same shepherd that the psalmist was talking about in Psalm 23. She became silent for a period of time. 
I could see that my words were being pondered and making new connections. After a long silence, she said, Read me the 23rd Psalm. I did, and after what seemed like an eternity, she again looked at me and asked, That's the same shepherd? I nodded my head. Yes. That's what it looks like? A shepherd who cares for his sheep for their own sake, even at the risk of his own life? She asked again. I nodded. Yes. She said it again. Now that's a shepherd I can trust. And trust she did, as before the night was over, the good shepherd led her through the valley of the shadow of death and into the house of the Lord forever. That is what love looks like. While we are seated, let us bow our heads in prayer. O Lord, our God, shepherd of Israel, We thank you for sending Jesus to be our good shepherd. Help us always to hear his voice and to follow him. Guide us as a Christian community of faith. Give us strength to escape the wolves, the Pharisees, the hirelings, and the fences they would put between us. Sweet Jesus, you have commanded us to love you and each other to follow you, and to feed your sheep. Grant us the grace to obey, to follow wherever you lead, and to minister to each other along the way. We ask this through Christ, who is our Lord, our Savior, our friend, and our Good Shepherd. Amen.